Hey, party people, this is DGS on DHP, and today's special guest is Michael Kane, chairman of the Elders. He and his wife, Juliet, have been at Henson for some time now, and uh, Michael recently helped teach a class on ethics, and his topic that he taught on a few weeks ago was economic life, or basically a biblical theology of work. So here you get the highlights. Uh, I'm sure you will find it helpful. We recorded this November 10th. Enjoy. Well, Michael Kane, welcome back to the Disciple Henson podcast. It's good to have you again. Appreciate the invitation. I erroneously told Mark Widgery that he was the first Brit on this podcast, but you've been on at least a couple times? A couple times, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I really appreciated the ethics class that you helped teach with David Fisher, among others, Mark mm-hmm. Widgery, uh, for one. And uh, one of the classes I heard you teach was on economic life and work. And it kind of seemed like you just did a biblical theology of economics and work uh, a little while ago. Uh, So really appreciated that. And we want to talk about those things today in order to think about what does it mean that being made in the image of God, um, what does that bring to how we think about our economic life uh, as humans made in his image? And when it comes to our work, that we might be more faithful and think as Christians about the work that God's given us, whatever that might be. So why don't you start off, Michael, by telling us a little bit about what you do for work and how that came about. So uh, my father, who I knew as Douglas Kane, was actually born Otto Kuhn, and he was uh, Jewish, born in Austria. And um, just before the Second World War, uh, by then he was an orphan, and uh, there was an organization called the Kinder Transport, and my father was very fortunate to uh, get out. He was put on a train at Vienna Station by his grandmother, and um, that was the last time he saw her. And uh, his first night in London, he went, fell asleep in the doorway. And uh, sometime during the night, a policeman came along and informed him that we don't do that sort of thing. And uh, mercifully, uh, a lady I'm pretty sure was a, a believer uh, took him under her wing and she, um, he, he went to work in her home and then the Second World War came and then he got a job. Um, and he was actually living in New York, uh, selling a car, uh, not very successfully, uh, but he did love New York. And uh, that left him a lasting impression, uh, which I think followed for the whole of his life, uh, a deep affection for this country. He also met somebody who introduced him to a product, uh, which he started to sell in the UK. And he started a business 68 years ago now. And um, that's what my brother and I now look after. My, my father died uh, in the year 2000, and uh, since then, uh, he and I have been looking after it. And um, what we do is uh, we make uh, electronic tools that help the guy who comes to fix your furnace or your air conditioning uh, to make sure they're, they're working properly, that you're, you're, you're safe and you're going to be comfortable. And uh, we got a couple of factories where we make those, and then out here uh, we, 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 we sell them and, uh, and, and look after them. And um, never in my wildest dreams imagined that Gilatine never imagined we would come and live in America, but, but here we are. 
27 years later or something like that? Yep. The plan yeah. was 18 months, and I think we just completed 28 years. So, <laughs> Well, we're glad that in God's providence that he had you to, to come here, um, and particularly to Henson. What about, um, how is your story, particularly maybe the story of your father, and then how, how you fit in? I, I, so I assume you've been working in this industry for the majority of your working life? I, uh, I did something, I tried it once and it was a complete disaster. I did something else and then uh, 1990, so 32 years now. Okay, okay. Yeah. So uh, how has this contributed to your biblical understanding of what it means to be a creator slash steward slash worker? Yeah, it's a journey. I've, um, you know, I'm, I think in one sense of the word, I, I grew up with a, a fairly privileged life, I think. A challenge in that was, you know, my father, my parents were divorced when my father was three. He had no real father in his life. And I think he struggled to uh, be a father. He was a, certainly uh, a faithful provider, but I think he struggled to be a father because he hadn't really had a father. So there was that underlying uh, dynamic, uh, which I think was difficult really until the last chapter of his life and then things changed. And, you know, obviously the business had some success and and, and, and by certain standards, I, I had a very privileged life uh, 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 growing up. And, you know, look back and you realize that that sort of opens a door to a sense of entitlement and uh, a, a, a sort of fairly self-indulgent approach to life. So I think some things changed though along the way. I, I think I became a Christian when I was at college in um, 1981. You know, one of the things that changed is just the concept of stewardship. Uh, when we came out here, we, we started reading uh, some books by Randy Alcorn. He's got a, a good one called The, the Treasure Principle. Um, he's got this great quote by R.G. Letourneau who made the, the sort of shovels and things. And I think it's along the lines of, um, uh, God shovels it in, I shovel it out, but God's got a bigger shovel. And and that, that whole idea of being a steward of the time and the talents and the treasure that, that God's given to us and um and and seeing ourselves as being able to do that and seeing us as being able to 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 to, to shovel out things that he's given us uh, to benefit other things. So stewardship, I think, has been an important development. So second, I, I think, you know, the whole idea of God as creator and the sense of us being imitators of a creator. Um, you know, in the Genesis account, God, God breathes out and uh, he breathes out a word and creation follows. And, um, and I, I think that's, that's what we do to some extent. Um, you know, I just in our own business, I, I don't know how many products we've developed and launched over 30 years, it's got to be a good number. But you know, at the end of the day, every single one, it's always the same process. There's a sort of idea that, you know, gets scribbled on the back of the proverbial napkin. And, um, and then and then the idea sort of takes shape. And then designers work out how to design it and manufacturers work out how to make it and 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 eventually you end up with this widget this thing that a while back only existed in somebody's mind and and would have only existed in someone's mind unless they'd breathe that out now now of course the, the huge difference is that god's creating ex nihilo out of nothing whereas we're creating out of all that he has provided in this world. But, but I think the underlying principle is the same. And, and I've always found that um, very, very exciting, um, that, that, that sort of imitating his work. 
And, and what, what seems to me equally extraordinary is that uh, God has provided. Um, I, I guess there was, I don't think they were internal combustion engines till the 19th century, but God built a world uh, with crude oil in it that, that wouldn't be needed for however many years it was until then. Um, everything that was needed to make an iPhone was already there at the creation. I mean, it's extraordinary uh, that God has uh, provided in this way and in a way that allows us to emulate him as creators. So I've always found that a, a very exciting, um, very interesting aspect of my work. And I, I think the other part is, you know, realizing that we're called to work. I, I, my devotion this morning happened to be 1 Thessalonians 5, you know, admonish the idol. And, and there's this, you know, this tremendous sense that Paul talks about, you know, laboring night and day. So he's not going to be a burden on the churches. We're, 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 we're called to work. Um, and, you know, Michael, I think when he was preaching on um, that series, Created in His Image, talked about, you know, how we, we've got an opportunity to leave the garden better than we found it or are part of the garden. Well, well, I, I feel quite challenged by that. I, I want to leave the business better than I found it. I want to leave a, 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 a good, safe inheritance uh, for our family. I don't mean by that that our business is somehow entitled to survive or, you know, it's, it's going to exist a thousand years from now. I don't mean like that. It's just, just that I've got this particular responsibility to work hard for this chapter of life. And then, then somebody else will, 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 will deal with it. That's such so, a that's yeah. such a unique perspective, uh, Michael, for in the world today. And do you want to flesh out a little bit more? I mean, you went back to kind of Genesis one and two, considering how God works and rests. But how does the fact that the God that we serve and worship is a God who works and rests? How does that impact then how we work and rest? Well, it's good that uh, God gives us rest, isn't it? Amen. Yeah. Um, you know, perhaps I'm, I'm just getting older, but I sort of feel I need the rest more. You know, I, 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 was, uh, I had to do something in Europe a while, and this really well-heeled attorney was going on and on about his work-life balance. And, you know, I'm thinking, well, you know, six days should you labor and one day should you rest. That's our work-life balance. Um, of course, it's sort of, most of us, it's, it's morphed into sort of five days and all the other stuff on Saturday and, and rest on Sunday. Um, so I think, I think, you know, that balance is wired into us. I think there was some very foolish, uh, I think the guy who ran Alibaba in China who was sort of saying, well, we should all work 10 hours a day, seven days a week. And, and it's just nuts. You know, we're, we're not designed to be like that. We're, we're designed to work, but we're also designed to rest. And God's very kindly uh, given us that provision. So I think that's good. Um, you know, I do, I do work Monday to Friday and I do work most Saturdays um, with interruptions. Uh, one of my favorite authors is P.G. Woodhouse, and uh, he dedicated one of his books to his nephews, and he put it, without whose help and encouragement, this would have been completed in half the time. And, and the reality of life in the Kane household uh, really all through these years has been um, sort of working on a Saturday with delightful but constant interruptions from, from our daughters. And... Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade those for anything. Um, and it's been helpful the way they've sort of, um, they have uh, um, um, compelled me not to, you know, just, just work incessantly because, you know, I think, I think there's always work to do. 
But um, you know, John Piper's got this story about you know, um, you know, the guy who collects seashells, and I you know love seashells, but I don't want to be the person who's found uh, in his declining days collecting seashells. I, I hope I'll be able to to work uh, in one way or another or all the rest of my days. That's such a good example. Um, I, it made me think of my father uh, working who, you know, if, if he has written a number of, of books, which meant um, while he was also teaching and serving in the church, which meant that as a kid, I saw my dad almost always working, but also happy to be interrupted. Yeah. So kind of around the family when we were, you know, off school and things like that and happy to be interrupted. Um, also, your earlier comments on work and rest and work-life balance made me think of a really helpful book that I read on sabbatical, so oh, on rest, brilliant. which is by Christopher Ash called Zeal Without Burnout, which I recommend. It's, I think, particularly aimed at ministers, but I think it would be beneficial for, for anyone. It's a short book. I had the uh, great privilege of uh, working with Christopher. Um, oh, I didn't my, know that. In my 20s. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. delightful. Uh, him and Caroline, his wife, just delightful couple. Yeah, my yeah. My, my parents met them earlier uh, over a few years ago, and they, mm. they shared the same thing. Um, well, what, what about uh, if we find ourselves frustrated in our work, if we don't find our work very fulfilling, very exciting, or very even valuable, yeah. uh, how should we think through that? Yeah, and I, I suspect that's uh, many people's story. I, you know, I think there are aspects of my work that outwardly might look uh, quite attractive, you know, travel a lot. There's also lots of my work that is just endless, uh, for want of a better word, drudgery, you know. So, um, and, but I think, I think for, for um, a, a lot of people that can be reality. And I think one of the challenges is that, um, you know, life is sometimes presented as if Genesis 3 never happened. Mm. And I, I think that's an illusion. And I think that can make the problem worse because it just leads to disappointment. Genesis 3 is is difficult, you know, grounds cursed. Um, there's reference to, to painful labor. It's, you know, it's the sweat of our brow that enables us to eat bread. Um, I, I think that's just, that's just, being realistic, work is hard, and there are obstacles, and there is there is a certain uh, futility in work. You know, we 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 pray, give us this day our daily bread, but that doesn't you know what is it? DoorDash doesn't sort of appear on our doorstep with with the bread. You know, the the mechanism is mm. through through hard work. So, um, in many ways, I think it's sort of realistic to just you know, it's not the work has to be. Um, difficult, but um, it may not always be fulfilling, or exciting, or or valuable. Um, so I I, th I think we just need to be careful about that. I think I think we also need to be careful about how we uh, deem certain tasks of value. I mm. mean, we have a marketplace, and that that deems that certain people are uh, perceived to be more valuable, at least in terms of compensation, than others. But, but the reality is that our, our nation runs on, you know, just this, just it is, is incredibly interdependent. And even if people aren't valued highly in the marketplace, uh, their work can be incredibly valuable and incredibly important. Um, you know, our, our industry is, is uh, our customers are our, our HVAC contractors. And, um, 
you know, most of them probably won't have gone to college, but they will have learned to trade, and their trade is very, very valuable. There are some people that it's absolutely right to go to college, um, but not for everybody. And, and for some people, learning a trade and, and providing that service to people is, is an incredibly valuable thing to do. And, and, you know, sometimes one can get put against the other, but I, th I think they're, they're valuable. But, but my point is we, 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 we shouldn't necessarily be surprised if work is not fulfilling or is unexciting at times or at least outwardly isn't perceived to be valuable. Mm. Um, there's a, the, the old hymn is, Teach Me My God and King, and there's a verse there, you know, the servant with this clause makes drudgery divine, who sweeps the room as for thy laws makes that and the action uh, fine. You know, the, so, you know, I think especially for, for Christians, um, knowing that, knowing that we're working for Jesus, even in a job that is difficult, I, I think that can make an enormous difference. You know, as you talk about the the work work being um, not perceived as valuable in the eyes of others uh, and not always fulfilling, I just think of the essential work, particularly of mothers. Right. You know, exactly. and uh, and you never see uh, like stay at home moms highlighted Absolutely. in the Harvard alumni magazine who are raising <laughs> the next generation and doing their relentless yeah. work and waking up at, you know, at night and caring for children. Yeah. And yet in God's eyes, you know, that's, it's a whole different, uh, you know, value. Yeah. Um, but that work can be very frustrating at yeah. times and, and you can feel like it's just the drudgery that you yeah. spoke of. Yeah. What about for you, Michael, uh, what are some particularly particular ways you have experienced kind of that curse or the fall you, you talked about the, the drudgery in your work um, how, what does that look like for you yeah I thought about that I, I could think of, sort of three things um, I think one is just a relentlessness of life you know I, I think that's true of pastors you know you preach the sermon on Sunday you come in on Monday and you got to do it all over again and just says that that weekly rhythm that every pastor has to live with well you know, that that's my life. I, mm. I, it is a relentlessness. I, I always joke to our, our staff that, you know, I wish we were like in the NBA and we could finish the financial year and then, then we go off. We have our off season for two months and mm -hmm. we go do something different. But, mm -hmm. you know, we finished our mm. financial year on Friday, September 30th, and we had a two-day off season. And Monday, October the 3rd, it's all over again. The scoreboards have all gone back to zero. Nobody cares what you did in September it's wow. just relentless. You finish a month and you got to do it all over again. So, I, you know, I think there is that dynamic of life, which is um, interesting. Mm -hmm. And so uh, thank goodness for a day of rest. Um, so relentlessness, I think, is one. I think also it's just hard. Um, you know, I, I sometimes hear uh, sometimes politicians will sort of imply that, you know, running a business you you sort of you press button a and and suddenly you're a millionaire and you know it, it all just happened and, and it just just isn't like that i you know i've done this for 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 32 years um it's just hard um it's hard work it's hard to just keep persevering you know it's just hard and 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 I think that's 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 life in a fallen world, isn't it? 
And I think the other the other aspect is, you know, business like every other aspect of life, it's dealing with people. I, I'm sometimes amused that people will say, well, you know, they'll, they'll imply they want to go and work in a certain profession outside of business because they want to work with people like I don't do that all day, every day. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and, and people, you know, uh, again, with all their strengths and all their weaknesses and just having to, to, to deal with that. And, you know, the worst side of it is you can get very, very badly let down and, you know, difficult and very bad things can happen and those are very hard to navigate through. Obviously, the other side of it is it can be, can be very good experience as well and, you know, they can sort of look back and have experienced both. But I think those are just... That's just part of life in a, in, a, in a fallen world. Other than just accepting that reality that this is, you know, we're not in heaven yet, um, or we live for the weekend or that, that vacation or, you know, that day of rest that we maybe have set aside, what can we do about that frustration, about that relentlessness, the hardship, the the, you know, difficult people that we need to deal with, what is it that we can do in light of those, in light of that reality? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, one thing is, um, you know, particularly in terms of life in a fallen world, I mean, God has, in his kindness, provided tools that do at least help. Um, it, it's interesting that, you know, in Genesis 3, you know, the first thing after God pronounces judgment is he provides clothes for Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. He, he, he judges, but then he shows grace and kindness. And, you know, he has provided us tools that make life easier. Um, uh, combine harvesters. So, you know, you're not having to sort of do this back-breaking work of bringing in the harvest by hand or all the tools we're using just right now to enable us to do it. Helps, helps I think, um, to to uh, make life easier but we also you know have a sure hope Mm. and we have been given one another particularly in the body of christ at a place like ensign uh, to encourage one another to persevere even in the difficult circumstances of life whether that's difficulties at home or or difficulties in work work we can uh, we can encourage us in one another in that and you know, God answers. God answers prayer. Um, I have this stupid routine at work where well, our office is on the fifth floor, and I will uh, go down one set of stairs to the second floor about once an hour, walk across the corridor, and go up the other stairs back to the fifth. It's sort of try to get exercise. But very often, you know, I'm walking that short walk between the staircases, and I'm praying because something comes up and I don't know how to do it. And, you know, my prayer is not very much cleverer than, Lord, please, please help me. Please help me hmm. in this moment, in this situation. And, um, you know, that's, that's God's kind and good gift to us. I don't think that's, that's stupid at all. That sounds very, like a very wise response. Um, yeah, I, I think, oh, maybe, maybe I Well, I think it's a silly routine of sort of going up and down the well, stairs. Well, that, that can be good. That can be good. Um, killing two birds with one stone. There is Communing that. with the living God and getting some exercise. Um, 
Well, talk uh, maybe specifically about maybe uh, how we can be tempted to respond wrongly to frustration in our work and maybe even maybe not with our particular like job, uh, whether it be staying at home with the kids or working in the marketplace. But the, the frustration that we feel kind of on a macro level, I mean, even here, well, I guess across the world, but we're in an economic downturn, there's inflation, you know, just uh, this week, there were elections, although I mean, which will maybe impact our work Mm -hmm. uh, for better or for worse. Um, Maybe people are feeling mainly for worse. Uh, What is the particular response we should have to this rather than complaining, rather than just feeling frustrated or feeling dour all the time? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I I said I was uh, reading 1 Thessalonians 5. That's just where I am right now. And, um, you know, Paul Paul writes of giving thanks in all circumstances, which, which can sound ever so trite. But then he adds, for this is the will of God, that that he wants us to be thankful in all circumstances. And, you know, you only have to know a little bit of Paul's autobiography to know that some of his circumstances were very, very difficult. So, you know, I think I think there is, I mean, the lesson I need to keep learning is, you know, whatever comes up today, difficult or not, is learning to give thanks in that circumstance and then learning to ask um, God for his help in in that moment. And, you know, I, I feel I'm 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 still still learning that. Um, I think these are, you know, challenging economic times. Uh, I grew up in the 1970s. We had double-digit inflation in the UK. We had double-digit interest rates at one stage. And, and it was very difficult. And it was really difficult in the early 1980s to get out of that. But then we've pretty much been spared that for about 40 years. And, and now we, we've got that again. And it creates all sorts of hardships and particularly uh, People who uh, like are on a fixed income or have little discretionary income, uh, well, that that can be be very def- difficult. I think I think one of the the the, the challenge, one of the opportunities, if you like, of the difficulty. John John Piper once preached a sermon on what's a recession for, and uh, you know one theme he had was it just increases our dependence on God. It it increases our are the importance, if you like, of that, that prayer. Give us this day our daily bread, not not just just for food, but just all the other things we need in life. It's just a reminder of how very dependent we are on God to provide for us, and it helps us to do that. Um, I think it, it's also just a reminder that you know we, we we live really relatively incredibly privileged circumstances here in the United States, and. You know, there is a part of the world who, in his words, you know, where, where it's, it's always recession all the time. And, of course, that, you know, we have the particular privilege of being able to, uh, to uh, give out of what God has given us. You know, like I think just recently Hinson helped, you know, the, the Sanibel Community Church in Florida, which has sort of got wiped out by, by, by Hurricane Ian, I think it was. You know, well, that, I mean, that's just a good a good opportunity for us, isn't it? Mm. Hmm. Well, how does Christ redeem our work, Michael? Mm. What does Jesus have to do with our work? Well, everything. <laughs> <laughs> good I, I, I mean, in the sense that uh, everything we are able to do is a reflection of 
that that his creation that that the world is created through him in the way that it was intended to be uh, he is lord of creation even in a fallen world and he's lord of our lives and he's lord of our work and therefore he has has everything to do with it um, so um, and he re- he i think you know this side of eternity uh, work's going to be hard but he can redeem our work because we can work as unto him we may have a, a terrible circumstances in work we may have a, a very difficult uh, employer we may not be able to get out of the situation we're in but at the end of the day we're working for him hmm. and um, you know a bit like that that him again you know makes drudgery divine who sweeps a room as for thy laws when we're working for him then then it can transform our, our day-by-day experience I think also he has providentially you know created a world that works in a particular way I think one of the things that's interesting about business is you know Christ is um, you know the son of man who came not to be served but to serve and what i find interesting about my work is how the trick of the marketplace is it forces me as a selfish person to be a servant i can only succeed in business by working very hard to serve my customers i i can only get funds from a bank by working very hard to serve the bank by operating the business in a way that that they they are comfortable with I can only um, have uh, products to sell because I work very hard to serve the, the the production partners on whom we depend and and you can multiply that in in multiple ways so so the trick of the marketplace is that it does push us to work in ways that encourage us to serve one another even though through that our self-interest is served i think this was adam smith's observation in the in the wealth of nations that you know it's not from the benevolence of the butcher or the baker or the brewer that we get our dinner it's it's actually because of their regard for their own self-interest their need to provide for their families forces them to be servants that provide dinner for us now we're in a fallen world that the model that we operate isn't perfect um but but it does have that um ability um winston churchill once famously said that democracy is the worst form of government except for all those other forms that have been tried from time to time we we sort of got maybe the worst form but it's just better than the other forms Mm. (laughs) at least in my opinion that's what so you know I think that's um, it's a part of God's kind gift for us. It's a, that 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 in the in a fallen world we're we're tricked, if you like, into serving one another in order to provide for us one for ourselves and for our families and for others. Finally, Michael, where should our hope be as we work? What about as we work today in light of that great day? Where is our hope? It's a lovely hymn, isn't it? What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone. Christ alone. Mm. So, you know, we... So, it's, what, it is interesting in the Sermon on the Mount how 
the language that Jesus uses is the language of the businessman, of the investor. Don't store up for yourself treasure on earth. Why not? Well, it's not a good investment. Moth and rust are going to destroy it. Thieves will break in and steal. Do not touch this investment with a barge pole. It will not deliver what it says it's going to deliver, mm. you know. And then, no, 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 store up for yourself treasure in heaven. Why? Well, moth and rust isn't going to destroy that. Um, thieves aren't going to break in and steal. This is actually a, a gold-plated A triple plus investment. So invest in this. I mean, it's just, it's just the language of business. It's the language of the, the financial planner and so on. And it's just striking that that's the language that Jesus uses. That's how he approaches the topic, sort of language that every all of us can, can relate to. So, you know, I, our business has been fortunate to survive for 68 years. It isn't going to survive forever. You know, our family name on the business is nice to have. But it's not going to be there forever. Um, the, the product that we make today is going to be obsolete tomorrow. So... I want to be faithful, you know, picking up on last Sunday's sermon, we want to be faithful in the work, but but it's not all there is. And and we want to be faithful in anticipation of a day when, God willing, we'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Well, Michael, thank you so much for having this conversation today. Thank you for your faithful work as, a, as an elder here at Henson, and uh, I trust that this will be helpful. 